Hi, and welcome to Creeps and Crime Storytime. My name is Charlie. My name is Sophie. And today we've got something a little bit different for you. So because Halloween is here, mm-hmm. we thought we would go with something spooky. So oh, yes. I said at the end of last week that I had an idea mm-hmm. for a Halloween you episode. Did. And this is the idea for the Halloween episode. It? So Sophie Ooh. liked it. So we decided that we would choose some stories of haunted objects. Yes. So we've looked into two haunted objects each. We haven't slept all week. And we're going to tell each other about them yeah. and tell you. So I'll go first, shall I? Yeah, go first. Go, um, go, go, go. We don't really have any announcements to make. We don't. Other no. than just thanks for listening. Yeah. We really like that you listen. Um, I hope you enjoyed the last two part we did on Rodney on Carlo. We hope that you mm-hmm. think that he's just as much of a piece of shit as we do. Yeah, um, I've really enjoyed people... Um, messaging us on Instagram, giving yeah, us case suggestions. In. I really like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Fun. So keep doing it. It's really nice. Yeah, please. So the first haunted object that I have to tell you is mm. a painting. Ooh. So I really oh, wanted fun. I really wanted to include a painting in my choices because okay. you and I both love art. We do. And we love spooky shit. We do. So it only seemed fitting that I combine both of them and tell you a story about a spooky haunted painting. Thanks so much. So I can't wait to be terrified and every gallery so, go in there. Excellent. So the story is keeping us here in the UK. Ooh, 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 We're going to drift okay. over a little bit to Spain and Italy, but yeah. mostly in the UK. Okay. Is it that painting of the cat on the wall that I'm obsessed with in Chester? Why would it be? Because it might be haunted. It's not. It might be. It's not. It's the only thing they didn't paint over. It's haunted. It's not. They also didn't paint over the woman. Yeah, but they painted the rest of the walls. White. It's not the painting of the cat on the okay. wall. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, me and Sophie go to take trips to a nice city in England called Chester. We like to mm-hmm. go there for, for little trips away together. It's very historic. And on Great. one little side street, there's a there's a mural painted onto the wall of, of windows with yeah. people in them. Mm-hmm. And there's one window with a woman in it. And there's one window with a cat in it. And every time we go to Chester, Sophie has to take a selfie with the cat in the window. I do, because it's so cute. And I will sprint down that yeah she's but the thing the most hilarious thing is she doesn't know where it is so each yeah. time she's like charlie will you take me to the cat like i'll just wonder <laughs> will you like... take me to the cat painting and i'm like yeah i'll take you and it's like no matter how many times go we go <laughs> you never know where it is oh, i think day it is all yeah night. i think we'll if go. i plonked you in the middle of chester and told yeah. you to go find the cat picture you would never find it i would find it i don't know if you would i think my feet would take me i'd have to switch you know what okay thinking. okay next time yeah I'm gonna take you to the very center of town and be like, take us to that cat. Okay. And we'll see where we end up. It doesn't matter if it takes us three hours. We'll see where we end Wear up. Flat shoes. Oh, fucking hell. Right. So anyway, let's talk about this painting instead. So yeah. for context, mm-hmm. at the time this happened, this was reported heavily by the sun. Ooh, for funny. our international listeners, the sun calls itself a newspaper, yeah. but I'm not sure I agree with that characterization. You can definitely read it, mm-hmm. so I suppose that's close enough. Okay. Um, at the time this story took place, the sun was actually the most popular tabloid newspaper in the whole world. Ooh, wow. So regardless of okay. my opinions on it, people were yeah. reading it. Mm-hmm. So even if I think it's fucking straight up garbage, that's something. people read it a yeah. lot. Anyway, this is 1985. Mm. So in 1985, the Sun reported on a fire Ooh. at a home in Rotherham, which is in right. South Yorkshire. So it's not massively not far from far where from we us. are. Ooh. So yeah, okay. South Yorkshire in Rotherham. Mm-hmm. House fires happen all the time. They do. 
Which is, yep. it's just a thing. It, it happens. It's not great, but it does happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Unless it's unusually devastating, they're not normally newsworthy enough to make the papers. No. So, however, this instance had a bizarre feature which made the tabloid paper run with it. The article was published on the 4th of September 1985, mm. and the headline was, quote, Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy Picture, <gasps> end quote. So it was already cursed prior to the fire? Maybe. Oh my god, what if it sets fires? Oh my god, things? what if it does? Oh my god, fuck. <laughs> the fire in question was in the home of Ron and May Hall, and it devastated their house. Ooh. The living room was burned black and gutted, the furniture Ooh. in smouldering ruins. However... One item in their home was undamaged no. by the flames. <gasps> a painting of a crying boy. Oh, that's gross. Why is he crying? That makes it even worse. A painting of a child is one thing because, like, eh. <laughs> but then to have, like, an upset one, you can't even comfort because it's a painting, is just that bit worse because it's always there in that constant state of distress. Yeah. Firefighters located... I just interrupted you, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, firefighters located the source of the fire to a chip pan, which no, is really... No, they did Conspiracy. So, no. So, it's a, <laughs> so, the thing is, having, like... I think in America, they call them, like, grease fires. What? So, so when you're cooking in, like, a deep fat fire... Oh, yeah. And it gets too hot and it sets on fire, that's a really common cause of house fires. Yeah. I think Americans, instead of calling but them, they, like, deep fat fires... Yeah. The greases? The grease, grease boxes? Know. Look, things. Mate, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, they're really dangerous if you don't keep an eye on them. Deep fat fryers are really dangerous if you don't keep an eye on them. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason the hall's home of 27 years was burned. Was the ghost boy using the fryer? No, one of them was cooking. They set fire to the house. The whole house was burned. The whole downstairs was like completely gutted out. It was black. Yeah. But that painting was completely unscathed. Because the painting did it. I don't know. know. We'll have to wait and see. (laughs) Ron Hall's brother, Peter, was actually one of the firefighters in Rotherham, and his colleague, the station officer, spoke to the son. Alan Wilkinson told the tabloid that he had been to several other house fires where prints of crying boy paintings had been there, unscathed, amidst blackened, gutted-out rooms consumed by fire. What kind of frames are they in? I'm just wondering if, like, their varnish is, like, anti-fire or something. We'll get to it. Oh, sorry. We'll get to it. Uh. So, the painting that the Halls owned was not an original, but a print. Mm, It seems very weird, but prints of paintings of crying children were pretty much produced between the 50s and 70s. What was going on? I don't know. I want to see that child cry every time I have my money I don't know. (laughs) They were quite popular decor in people's homes. It's a bit... Seriously, it was like a... Thing. It's very depressing. You know, kind of like when you go into the range and there's like really yeah. shitty prints of like yeah. acrylic paintings of like oh. wildlife and like wolves and shit. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, I think this was like the 1960s like version of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway. You know, when they're just like on canvases, but they've just been printed onto a canvas and it's yeah. not even like a real Plain. thing. Yeah, it's, it's this... not even traced, it's a print. Yeah, I mean, I mean, prints are good. Yeah, but, but you not get... this kind of print. But not this. Like, this if you get a print of bad. like an actual proper work of art and hang it in your house, fucking banging. But yeah, when it's, great. but when there's like a million of them and they're all mass produced and they're, they're all crying even... boys, it's weird. <laughs> Stop it. This series in particular was signed Bragolin, although paintings of crying children by other artists were also linked to this story. 
Okay. The following day, on the 5th of September 1985, the mm. Sun printed a follow-up story. They'd clearly been inundated with calls from worried readers who had experienced similar mysterious incidents surrounding this painting. I'm not liking this. Dora Mann, who lived in Surrey, said that the fire gutted her whole house six months after she hung up a print of the painting. The article reads, quote, Of all my paintings were destroyed, except the one of the crying boy, end oh. quote. Oh. So she had other paintings that were all burned except that one. That's interesting. So yeah, know. it's weird that like other paintings yeah. were fucked. Do you think they were originals or were they other prints? I've no idea. I'm not sure. Mm. It probably means little to no difference, but I'm still intrigued now. I need to know everything. A woman called Sandra Casca from Kilburn in North Yorkshire. Mm. I find it hilarious that it's from Kilburn. <laughs> <laughs> so she said that the crying boy was responsible for three separate fires in her circle of acquaintances. She's not wrong. So... Herself, her yeah. sister-in-law, and her friend all bought copies together at the same time. <clears throat> and yes. all three of them had fires in their homes since the paintings were bought. <laughs> what the fuck? It really does seem as though in 1985, like, every house in England just simultaneously set on fire. Yeah, like, we'll have this shitty painting and then go up in flames. Yeah, it's fine. It, it really does seem like there were so many fires, it which is kind of weird. So, so, yeah, all three women bought the painting and then like within a few months all of them the houses put down <laughs> it just seems successful. I don't know why I'm laughing at it. It's not house funny. Fires house fires are terrifying. I think it's this weird little crying boy Yeah, that makes it I want to know where the original painting is because it's a print of something is it? Was the original sound fire? We'll get that. Is it, so, is it possessed? Is it in a a glass box. I'm going to continue. <laughs> a man called Brian Parks said that a fire in his house was so bad that his wife and three children needed hospital treatment for smoke inhalation. Ooh. He got back from the hospital to realise the painting of the boy hanging on his wall in his front room was in pristine condition and everything else he owned was blackened by the smoke. He sick. destroyed the painting. Wow. He was oh, like, okay. fuck you, kid. And he fucked it up. Wow. Did he burn it? I don't know. It doesn't say how he destroyed he it. I just found that it, he destroyed it, it. And then the boy carried on. The so after the setting, the, <laughs> after the fuck, <laughs> after the second article was printed, the story showed no signs of slowing down. Yeah. No. The Sun began to print letters that were sent in by readers. Ooh, that's so funny, a reader though. from London told the newspaper how her copy of the print swung side to, from side to side on the wall on oh. its own. Oh, there was like no earthquake or anything. Nothing to debunk no. it. Just England is not really swung. a very earthquakey country. It's not. But yeah, no, this was just like having a good time on the just, wall. It was just like. So, one particularly grim letter sent by Rose Farrington from Preston reads quote, Ooh, Preston. Since I bought it in 1959, my three sons and husband have all died. <gasps> I've often wondered if it had a curse. Oh, and fuck! Her. Fuck! No! That's not nice! We need to go visit that house. So, no, we don't. So, the thing is, from 1959 <laughs> to 1985 That's is like. From the 80s. It's 26 years. Yeah, it's no So, case. basically, she's saying, I bought this painting, and then yeah. in 26 years, Three members of my family have died. It's really horrific for all three of her sons and her husband to have all died in 26 years. Because yeah. I assume then that the sons, if they're younger than her, then they're probably too young to have passed away from natural causes. Yeah, but definitely. obviously, if this story is true, mm. it's horrific and it's not funny at all. Nope. But I'm sure that Rose Farrington bought a lot of things between 1959 and 1985. Yeah, but how many of them were cursed, Charlie? No, this is what I'm saying. So she bought a lot of things. So what made her think this painting was cursed? You probably had nightmares of it. No, but I mean, like, we have no idea. So is she just read it in the paper and thought, oh my God, I've got this picture. 
Yeah. And all of these things have happened. Mm-hmm. She thought, I'm saying maybe she thought it was cursed because of the story in the paper. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. But it's Please. just because, like, she would have gone shopping a lot of times and bought decorations for a house yeah. since 1959. So what's made her think this is the problem? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just trying to look at it from a rational point of view because yeah. even though I love spooky stories, I'm not sure how much stock I put into this. No. Okay. I know that's very boring of yeah. me. Do you have a picture of the painting? I have, I'm going to put pictures on the gram. Yay! So don't worry, okay. it will be gram time. Um, bum, 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 bum. The sun reported once again on the 24th of October, so just a month later, Ooh. that another fire had broken out in the home of Kevin and Julie Godbo. They lived only a few miles away from where the first reported fire happened in Rotherham. Mm. And once again, they were pictured in the newspaper with sad expressions on their faces and a clean, unburned painting of a tearful child between them. A house in Heswall caught fire in what was described as an explosion. Oh, what? And two <laughs> copies two copies of the painting were recovered from wow, the house. Wow, so if you get two, you explode. Yeah, so if you get one, wow. your house burns down. If you, if you get you have two, three? then your house explodes. Yeah. I don't think... Maybe it implodes. I don't think anyone's tried just it. Like, it might just go into a new dimension where there's just crying boys everywhere. Yeah, there's just kids crying and Shit. everything's on fire. Oh my god. I think that's hell. So... <laughs> <laughs> So one of these paintings was previously hung in the dining room and one in the living room. The Amos family, who escaped unharmed from the house, destroyed the painting shortly afterwards. So the son went back to Alan Wilkinson, who's the fire chief who spoke to the paper earlier when the story broke. Mm. And they were like, fella, what the fuck (laughs) is going on? And he said that in his 33 years on the job, he had personally himself logged 50 fires. He kept a tally. 50 with undamaged crying boy paintings since 1973 (laughs) that's 12 years so since 1973 to 1985 50 fires with paintings of this fucking kid they're not coincidences so he was convinced that the fires were started by regular normal human carelessness such as candles burning too long dropped cigarettes kitchen accidents whatever Mm. however he did not have an explanation for how the painting survived when even the plaster was burned from the walls. Wow. Yeah. When the British... Pu- so so the British public were now beginning to freak out. Yeah, of course. They because do. the tacky yet fashionable prints they had on everyone's yeah. fucking living room walls were cursed and causing homes to burn down. Yeah. The tabloid paper did the only thing they could do to ease the concerns of the masses. You can get a refund. What did the sun do? Question time. Dun, dun, dun. We've got multiple <laughs> choice. Oh, yay. A. Yeah. The son offered to send a priest to the home of anyone with a crying boy painting to have the house blessed. I'll take it. B. They gave out miniature vials of holy water with each newspaper purchased so they could so people could sprinkle it on their paintings. That's really cool. C. They asked for readers to send their crying boy paintings to the Sun HQ so they could be burned in a mass bonfire <laughs> by a page three model. Oh my god, that's incredible. D. Oh, they started a campaign for televised adverts to be made about the dangers of the crying boy painting. I think it'd be cool if it was B. Because B, they give out miniature vials of holy water so with each paper you get his class, and then I would put that in a bell jar. Okay. Yep. So which one do you think? I think C is also really fun. It's like absolutely crackers. <laughs> absolutely crackers. <laughs> but then probably D because money. What do you think? You got marshmallow in there. A, B, C, or D? D. So <laughs> you are wrong. 
Yay! It turns out that over 2,500 copies of The Crying Boy were sent oh by the readers God. to the sun so yes. that they could be burned down in a highly publicised ceremonial bonfire. That's incredible. Page three model Sandra Jane Moore was pictured in a fireman's helmet stoking the pyre and adding wood to the blaze. That's incredible. So for international oh listeners who don't know what a page three model is, basically oh the sun. The sun is a newspaper and when I say newspaper newspaper. I did the little bunny ears with my hands because Mm -hmm. it's not really a newspaper it's it's stapled I'm not entirely sure that you have to be able to read to understand this newspaper and basically you open the front page yeah and on the third page so the inside the first inside page yeah is there's always a page like page three models it's a third page and they're like they're always women and they're always like young pretty women with their tops off yeah and it's just a topless it's just a photo of a topless woman and they're page three models and it's a bit of a thing it's not so much a big thing anymore because of the internet you can just look at like topless women on the internet for free free, um you don't have to be 20p anymore yeah but like back in the day page three models were like a big thing yeah. So anyway, because the sun were like, oh, we're gonna get a page three model to like yeah. burn all these paintings. People were like, yeah, woo, free! Oh my god! And it was really good. She didn't have a tits out. Good, keep them safe. Keep them safe. No, they were safe them. from the curse. They you were know, safe from the flames. Only the she she was wearing, I believe, I've seen a picture. She was wearing yeah. like shorts and a little vest, but oh, she had a helmet on. That's really cute. And she, yeah, she looked really, she looked lovely. Um, no, she's alright. But yeah, probably cursed. Shit. <laughs> This happened on the 30th of October, and it meant that the Sun could then publish the bonfire in their edition on the 31st of October, which is, of course, Halloween. Do you think it got double page spread? Oh, it probably was like the whole paper. That's the only copy of the Sun I'd buy, Yeah. So lots of people believe that this bonfire ended the curse of the crying boy, although incidents have been reported since. It sort of became a bit of an urban legend since the bonfire, with articles coming out about it every now and then, as the internet became more prevalent, posts on message board, and they even had fan websites, like, came up, like, for the crying boy. So it's very mysterious, but several people over the years have tried to get to the bottom of it. Mm. One of these people was a teacher from Devon named George Mallory, and another was a journalist called David Clark. Both of these men uncovered some information about the origin of the Crying Boy paintings and their mass-produced prints. So we will go back to the late 40s. Okay. After the Second World War, an artist by the name of Giovanni Bragolin painted children orphaned after the war. Obviously, the subject matter is bleak as fuck, as Mm -hmm. children were orphaned and families devastated all over the world. There was no shortage of subjects for Bragolin's art. Mario Klingerman... Okay. who is a fan of both the paintings and the legends, recalled on his blog that when he visited Italy with his family as a child in the 70s, he would see street booths selling the prints. Wow. So it was cool. so popular that just on the streets of Italy, people would just sell prints by the side of the road. That's amazing. So unrelated, but Mario is such a fan of the story, he paid artist Laura Kiku, Kikuka, Kik, fuck, uh, K-I-K-A-U-K-A, Kikauka? She's called Laura, and he paid her to add red LED lights where the eyes are on the top of this painting. I thought you would enjoy this. He also built himself a tear generator to That's make him cry. Yeah. He loves this fucking thing. And he loves the legend, and people love everything. And you know what? At one point, there was actually a Dutch fan club. Oh, my God. That, the lights will be lit up on Monday. Because it's Halloween, it'll be plugging Halloween. it in. It'll be plugging it in, yeah. It'll switch it off if it's battery powered. That's amazing. I want to see that. 
Does he have an Instagram? No idea. Mario Klingerman, if you're listening to this episode, please send us a message on Instagram. Because yeah. it's always your crying boy. I don't know if I want to see with the lights on. It's sounds a bit creepy. Oh, yeah. in the dark. <laughs> so it's just the lights. <laughs> anyway, back to Giovanni Bragolin. Devon school teacher George Mallory published an article in a book about weird hauntings that revealed that the name Giovanni Bracolin was actually an alias of mysterious painter Francho Seville. Ooh. However, in a bizarre twist, what? journalist David Clark, who researched the case further, discovered yeah. that both Giovanni and Francho weren't actually real people. Oh my But they were what? both pseudonyms for a Spanish what? painter called Bruno Amadio. Huh? And in an even more bizarre twist, no. David Clark couldn't find any proof whatsoever that the teacher George Mallory, who wrote about the case, existed either. Stop it. So is this all one guy? <laughs> <laughs> is is he the crying boy? So there is actually a photograph of Bruno Amadio painting a portrait of a crying boy. <laughs> so you know so That's we know story. So we know he existed. There's a picture of and him he did this. painting that fucking picture. He was caught red-handed. So we know he existed and we know he painted it. Yeah. Because okay. there's a photo of him doing it. <laughs> Incredible. Amadio passed away in nineteen eighty one at the age of seventy. Oh. But not before he painted between sixty and sixty five portraits of crying boys. Mm. The series was sold as prints, and as we said earlier, it was incredibly popular. Yeah. In the UK alone, over 50,000 were purchased. Why were we buying them? I don't know. Did we give some of the profit to charity? I don't know. What? I, mean, I, I don't. What? I can't help you. I don't know. <laughs> so, Amadio has been quoted that the inspiration for one of his paintings was, quote, a little street urchin, unquote, he met while he was in Spain. Hmm. He looked so sad that the artist had to stop and paint him. The story <laughs> then evolves from there a little, with accounts getting a bit... Hinky dinky. So fr- dinky. from here on, I can't tell if that's like hanky panky or spooky dooky. It's a bit spooky dooky, and it's kind of a bit like eh, I'm not sure if I believe much of this. Uh, but anyway, okay. this is kind of how the story goes. So, so when he stopped to paint the child, he was approached by a priest. The priest apparently warned Amadio that the boy, whose name was Don Bonillo, had mm. seen his parents die in a house fire, and he'd run away. From then on, fires were reported wherever the boy stayed. Oh. Or perhaps he was the cause of them. Yeah, he could have been According the to this legend, Bruno Amadio then adopted the orphan and he inspired the rest of the series of paintings. Mm. So it could be that he was one of those kids that, you know, have some McDonald triad shit going on. That, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'm just going to set loads of fires. And people thought that he was like cursed or whatever but he's he was just, just an arsonist yeah he's just a little tiny criminal that was crying all the time a little tiny criminal <laughs> <laughs> so the paintings did really well and Amadio became quite successful yeah. these were the only works of his that achieved this level of popularity so it's yeah. like it's one of those things where like you achieve success but you're cursed that that will be your only success oh, so that's kind of until one hit wonder and it's yeah bad and it's like crying kids <laughs> Nothing so the happen. thing is this success was short-lived Ooh. his art studio and apartment caught fire womp and womp. everything was did you just womp womp <laughs> <laughs> and everything was burned up in the blaze he kicked out Don Bonillo <laughs> remembering the warning he received from yeah, the priest yeah I mean he was he, he took in little fire boys a refuge and then he's shocked when he makes money off his misery I feel that's like he comes home and his house is on fire and he just made the shocked Pikachu face. He's just like, <laughs> he's like, how could this happen to me? <laughs> so 
another thing is that I didn't write in my notes, but I did read it a lot, is that it's sort of very urban legendy that people said that when he adopted the kid, he also like abused the kid. And that's Aww. why the paintings were all cursed, just because he got abused. Yeah. But there's literally nothing to substantiate like that whatsoever. Yeah, end, that seems know. like just as if this isn't sensationalized enough. Yeah. Exactly. It just that seems made up, but mm-hmm. as it's part of the urban legend. Yeah. I just wanted to mention it. Yeah, of course. Apparently, rumours of the crying boy paintings being cursed or haunted began to spread, and nobody wanted to buy his works anymore. Mm. Since he kicked out Don Bernillo to the curb, the paintings that once made him so famous now made him the subject of rumours and suspicion. In 1976, outside Barcelona, police responded to the calls of a car accident. The car was ablaze, and the only person inside, the driver, was dead and burned beyond recognition. After the fire was Mm. extinguished, police searched and found a partial driver's license in the glove box, and the name on it read Don Bonillo. The fireboy. Yes. He was 19 years old at this point, and for many people, this seemed to cement the urban legend into some kind of fact. That's sad that he's dead. Yeah. And that's it. No, it's not. No, it is. No, and So, David Clark, the journalist, so that wrote about it, he did some stuff. He obviously spent a lot of time researching it, and other journalists as well, and other people have done experiments into it. And some people think that the prints have been coated with a fire-repelling varnish, like you said. Yeah. Um, But it's not been proven. Yeah. I mean, when they got and then as well, it. like there's lots of other prints that and artworks that were in people's homes that did get burned. It's just this one that mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah. So it does seem to be a little bit like, mm, is there something hippity dippity going on here, <laughs> or is it just weird? I don't know. I mean, loppity doppity. <laughs> it's definitely the fact. I think for me, even if there's nothing paranormal here going on at all, yeah. the fact that. 50,000 of <laughs> us in this country <laughs> bought those fucking pictures is weird enough. It's a bit unsettling. But yeah, I definitely think it's a bit creepy and I it hope that creepy. you liked it. I loved it. I hope you did. Are you ready to tell me a story? I I am, Okay, yes. right. Let's get to it. Okay, so we're ready for the second story. So <laughs> while we were getting... <laughs> we're ready for the second story. I sound thrilled. So basically... Um, when we were doing this, we decided mm-hmm. to do two objects each. And yes. so to make sure we didn't choose the same objects, we decided to send my husband mm-hmm. a message with yep. each of the stories in so he yeah. could read them and tell us if either of us had chosen the same one. Mm-hmm. Which right. worked really well. Neither yeah. of us chose the same one. So Which is cool. this next thing, I know of it already. <laughs> yeah. And I hate it. And hate I it. had a feeling. I thought, Sophie's <laughs> going to want to do this. She's going to want to do this. And I was going to do it. And then I thought, well, if I choose something else mm. and then she won't do it. And anyway, I chose my two things. Yeah. And it turns out that so I just found out Sophie has chosen this thing. Yeah. And now I have to sit in the dark and hear about it. <laughs> and I really don't want to. Yeah. But I'm going to. And so are you. So yes, you're going to suffer. So I'll let you tell us <laughs> the story of the, how do you say it? It's not my problem. You chose it. The Dibbuk box. Oh, la, la, la. I hate this box. Are you ready? No. Ooh. Okay, so guy named Kevin Manis in the year 2000, fairly recently, he buys the box, which is supposed as a wooden wine cabinet for a part of his antique finishing shop. So he... So hang on, wait a minute. So did you say it's like a wooden wine cabinet? Yeah. That's actually bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, it's pretty... Chunky. I thought it was like that big. Mm. I'm guessing it's... 
Well, no. I, for, no one can see what my hands are doing. I'm just, I'm just saying to Sophie, like, I thought it was box about shapes so hands. And I made a box shape that's maybe like, like... gently getting bigger. Maybe about a foot. One foot. Yeah, that's about, that's about the size that's of a subway foot, foot long. That's like a foot long. Yeah, that's ambitious for a foot long. Yeah, that was a like... That. Anyway, I thought Stop it was stalling. smaller than a wine cabinet. <laughs> to be fair, they've made them bigger over the years. I suppose so. You know, wine balls have got bigger as well. Okay, so he was at like a car boot sale type thing, a yard sale, whatever, buying this. And when he when he made the sale with whoever he was buying off, he was approached by a crying woman. Oh. Yeah. And he he turned to her and he was a bit confused and he, so wait, we just had a story about loads of crying children. Now I've got a crying woman. Yes, you do. Oh, Enjoy it. So out of you know sheer politeness, he asked her if she wanted it back because it's like, is this a family heirloom I've just got from you? What are you doing? Yeah. And then she she just kind of mumbled and screamed that she never wanted to see the box again and just ran away from him, still crying. Oh. So she ran off into the horizon, and I see, When you said out. like he was approached by a crying woman, I just assumed it was a random stranger. <laughs> So was she crying with joy and adios feeling, or was it indeed sorrow? <laughs> like, finally, it's box. gone. I don't want to see it again. Or was it like, I love that box? <laughs> There's something I'd like to highlight before we go any further. We've just started. The story of the box itself and what happened in its life before coming into the hands of Kevin Maddows. Oh. Oh. Okay. Indeedy. He claimed. That he found out that the cabinet was previously owned by a young girl who was a, a survivor of the Holocaust in Poland, and that her and her parents and grandparents had been obviously taken to a, a camp there. Okay. And they had a, a few of the rhymes on them, which I didn't think they were allowed in the camps, but anyway. I don't think they were allowed, like, furniture and stuff. Yeah. Which is awful, but while they'd been at home and before they would. Kidnapped, they they collected some stuff together, I think. Okay. Like, last minute rushing. Yeah. The young girl was, by some accounts, to have her name Sophie. Oh! Which I didn't know until oh. researching this, and I was like, ah, there it is. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> oh gosh. Whoopsie doopsie. Well, it's like when I was writing this, I was sat yeah. in Starbucks writing after work one day. <clears throat> With your coffee cursed. No, no, no. And I just decided to randomly, I was getting kind of tired, and I thought, right, well, I've got to go and teach class now. So I just thought, yeah. like, right. So I just saved my document at a random point, and then yeah. as I was closing my laptop, I took a picture and sent it to you. My word count was 666. Oh, and yes. I was like, no, yeah, not today. Like, Absolutely Disgusting. not today. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so this little this little Sophie, she'd been instructed strictly by her grandmother, specifically uh-huh. her grandmother, yeah. to never touch the box or to open it. Oh. So she couldn't interact with it at all. No touching the box. In any Don't shape or form. Look at the box. Yeah, and she also told Sophie that she also wanted to be buried with the box. Oh. Uh-huh. Which is kind of another why level of like that? why would you tell a child that? Maybe. I mean I guess if they're in a camp. You kind like, of have a choice. Maybe she wasn't saying I want to be buried with the box because she loves the box. Maybe yeah. she was saying she wants to be buried with it so no one else can get it. Maybe. So then it can't fuck with it. Because if, yeah. if she says as my down dying wish, yeah. I want to be buried with it, mm. it can't fuck with it. That just made it scary. And you have to respect a dying I wish. So it's not like you can go against it. Now. Well, now you can really just let that ferment in your brain. It's gonna. And all your brains. Just think about story. it. What would you say if your grandmother said that to you? You got this icky weird box. I'd be like, just like, box. put it in the ground with me. And you're like, no. <laughs> anyway. <I'm> 
Okay, so it was one of three items eventually she'd been able to carry with her when she ended up, uh, she fled to Spain. But she was told not to touch the box. I, I wondered this. I was like, did she wrap it up in fabric? Did she like push it? I'm guessing she must have touched it if she carried did it. Did she like, just end up Europe touching it? Yeah, I'm guessing she must have done. Yeah, which you know, fair enough. And she either went alone to the U.S. or the the wine box did, and then she did if they're on separate ships. But her and the box made their way to the states. Oh, so they went to America. Okay. Yeah, they went to America. It was like everything ends up in America eventually. Okay, so that's just that little background Back story. story. Okay. Yeah. Midas had said that he knew it contained the malicious spirit of the Dibuk and that oh. the box had paranormal powers. Oh, like, great. He knew this. He just said he knew it. And it was ultimately responsible for his bad luck and nightmares that he had once owning the box. I'm sorry. I should have let you finish that drink. <laughs> Before, like, vomiting it back up in the face. vomit it. It's just, uh, the no, marshmallow was bigger than I thought it was. Uh-oh. <laughs> you good? Wait. Really, they think we'd have a hot choggy break during this. I fucking hate this box. I know. <laughs> I even got it in my notes. Don't ask me how a young girl carried a wine box so she wasn't allowed to touch or open <laughs> over a continent because I don't have the answer for you. Because I don't know. I'm not sure how it got to America in the first place, but it did. It got but to America. Another big fat question here is, mm-hmm. so what is a dibbuk? Yeah, what's a dibbuk? Because I've used that phrase in the title. I've just used that, that word also probably at least twice. Um, from here on, it's a step into Jewish folklore. Oh, okay. Which is pretty damn cool. I was like... What? <laughs> okay, I guess as well that explains like if if her family mm. is Jewish and was being hunted by the Nazis mm-hmm. in Germany, yep. and it makes sense for yeah. this box to have Jewish origins. Okay, yeah, tell me more. Uh, from a site that I'll link in the show notes, I found a site that's absolutely dedicated to explaining things like this and other elements of pop culture and stuff that gets no, that isn't culture. It gets absorbed into pop culture and then. It's either its meanings watered down completely, or translations end up being tailored to someone's bias and what they okay. want to, you know, expand on. For that sounds interesting. Yeah, it really good. Yeah, I that ended up good. Three hours on the site. It's like, yeah, I was about to say it sounds like the kind of thing where you could just like click on a link and then you'll end up like in some mm-hmm. random rabbit hole, it just reading so about all kinds of stuff. Wonderful. Anyway, what the fuck's a book? A Dibuk is actually a ghost that sticks around after death to possess the body of the living for malevolent purposes. Oh. Yep. The stories state that it's either a malevolent spirit out to harm an innocent person or a neutral spirit out to punish a wicked person for their transgressions. Oh. That's cool. And now this was written in 2012, so for me that's pretty recent. That is quite recent, yeah. So the Dibuk, so this spirit apparently lives in the box. Yes, this one specific for this box. Yeah, yeah, this this one. Yeah, lives in this box. Mm-hmm. I'm getting kind of like Bogart vibes. Yeah, definitely. It's probably what she copied. Maybe. Your Maybe. I mean, if this didn't yeah. happen until kind of recently, she probably didn't because those books were written before. Mm. Anyway, now then. We're still in the same year that Maddis purchased this box for his antique store. Yes. Plans to make it super pretty. He's going to oil the wood, do furniture stuff to it, you know, sanding it oh, down. Oh, so he's going to like upscale more, it. He's going to revive kinda. it. Yeah. Give okay. it a glow up. A glow Go, up. You're sellable now. <laughs> Bye. But things started to shake up a little bit in oh, a way no. he didn't expect. The same year. Things happen in his store. Manis left it in the basement because he planned to do some minor repair work. And as I said, rub some oil into this wood. That's literally like his first plan is 
He's going to oil that wood. Yeah. But almost immediately, anyone near the box suffered its wrath. For example, staff member that was that was left alone with the box. Now I would shit my pants at this. I would nope so hard. There was there was a lot of um, they heard like cursing and murmurs. Ugh. And like so, just when you say cursing, do you mean just like random swear words like fuck? Well, I don't know if it went fuck or if it went like titties. This is the curse. <laughs> and the sound of breaking light fixtures, but they could never find uh, the broken light fixtures so she noped out of there she held us nope. i'd be like no. i would also be like bye like you wouldn't <laughs> see my feet touch the floor i just float out there that sounds also scary <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> that would be a sign <laughs> just be like bye defying gravity absolute fair <laughs> and and then there was a couple who bought the box from manis in the shop oh so they saw it and was like yeah we'll take it and he was like whoa and he was like excellent good for you it's not haunted <laughs> Yep. Which I'd say this definitely not haunted box. Now the thing is, they brought it back to the shop. Oh. And the weird thing about them bringing it back is that they mysteriously, they just left it on the front door step of the door. Like, you know how you have, you have like a like a step on a door? Yeah, yeah. Like a door sill? I know exactly have... what you mean. I don't know why you're explaining it. Like I don't know. I just wanted to they imagine it. They left it on the front step. I get yeah, it. Yeah, but they left um, a little post-it note on it saying, um, bad energy. Bad vibes. That was it? That's it. Oh my and god. And nothing else. They didn't want a refund. They like just have Shit. it back. Just take it back. Oh no. That for me, I was I was already feeling a bit like this oh, shit, late what have I done? And I don't like this. <laughs> my um, own story. I wasn't even I didn't even get the keys, <laughs> but I hate this fucking box. So Manis, sweet Manis over here, he gets the box back. Why did he take it back? Maybe in the shop? that's part of the curse. But he then decides, you know what? I love my mother so much. I'm gonna give it to her. What the hell? As a Did gift. he hate his mom? Tee hee. I think he What a good son. What the hell? As a result, or coincidentally, she had a stroke. She ended up losing sight in one eye and loses the ability what? to speak for a while. And when she was able to, like just about able to, she wrote him a very another post-it note maybe uh-huh. saying hate gift. <laughs> Either I hate this gift My or jaw just the gift is full like, of hate. Like I've, heard, I've heard podcasts about this yeah. before, but it was mm-hmm. like about a year ago and it had been mm-hmm. a while. Oh, uh, yeah. And this is a nice refresher I forgot for you. about the, the yeah. hate gift. Hate gift. You kind of oh think like God. it's in Morse code or something. I hate <laughs> it. It feels that like heebie-jeebie. So Kevin, once again, like a dweeb, took back the box. But Why would you take it back? He didn't want to keep it this time. He's like, you well, know yeah. what? Nah, I don't want it. It's alleged curse and mystery was spreading to his family. Well, yeah. He has a family and he's taken this box in like a dozen times. And then he gave it to a member of his family. What's he doing? He had to be rid of it. So his solution was to put it on eBay. You okay. know something that's haunted? Put it on eBay. Yeah. Keeps being spooky and you're losing employees in your business? eBay. Nearly eBay. killed your mum? eBay. <laughs> like, just, just go <laughs> on eBay. You know, while I was looking at some random ideas for this, I typed haunted objects into Google just to see what would come up. Was there like 20 debug boxes on no, there? No, 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 no. So I typed in haunted objects into Google and pressed search. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> there was a couple of things about, like, random wiki articles about, like, random apparently cursed objects but like on the front page of google (laughs) it was advertising like got something to sell go to ebay it was like 
haunted objects on eBay, haunted objects on like Amazon or whatever. Mm. And people do sell random things that they're like, oh, it's haunted. They do. And a young and that doesn't seem to be named anywhere. Let's call him Joe. So like a young person. Yeah, a young person. Okay. Uh, when Joe bought it, it said that his hair would fall out in clumps and he'd notice odd smells coming from the box. Oh, which is kind of weird. Why? He said, not an old smell box, but, you know, a kind of sweet, icky smell. Respectfully, ugh. That sounds terrible. He apparently put it on eBay too, but it ended up being sold to a friend of his roommate. And enter the scene, our next guy, yay, onto his next owner, Jason Haxton. His account of owning the box goes like this, from day one. From day one, so from immediately. Point of sale, in his house. <laughs> yeah. Right. He had unexplained health problems with his vision, experienced choking, and saw odd lights and shadows. That sounds terrible. It does. It's gross. Admittedly, if I bought a random thing off eBay and it arrived, mm -hmm. and then all this stuff started happening, I don't know if I assume it was the package. You wouldn't put it on it straight away. I would think there's something. I'm ill. There's something wrong with me. Does he need to clean his glasses? Yeah, is it but something? I wouldn't. I'd assume that maybe it was like an allergy or something. I wouldn't assume. Oh, this thing I bought myself must be haunted. <laughs> yeah. But that's just me. Mm, but this guy does his research, right? Oh, okay. And he goes on to say, you know, once asked about it, that he got in contact with the family who actually made the box itself. How did he find that out? I guess maybe if there was like yeah, like a signature on it like or a marks or ink, like engravings or whatever yeah. on the bottom. Yeah, mm -hmm. maybe okay. Yeah, the actual family somehow, because this box is apparently like over 100 years old. Okay. And as from Europe, he's got some connections. We don't know about what, Whatever. For sure. And he he's telling us something that's supposed to clearly explain his origin. It was He said it was it was meant to connect a Jewish family with the spiritual world during the Holocaust. Oh. So that's what it had been really made for. Okay. And Sounds it was, terrible. Yeah, it was also supposed to have been buried alongside its owner, which we know of. Which we know was the grandma. Mm -hmm. But he also adds that an orthodox rabbi refused a request. Oh. And it was like, mm. so I think she ended up finding that either before she fled to Spain, this little Sophie, yeah. if that is her name, or when she was there. But I think she was the only one that managed to get out. Wow. Okay. <sighs> Man, that's heavy. If it was haunted or cursed or simply hysteria of owning the box that ended up being a magnet drawing in these, you know, bad things, supposedly, yeah, it was still an effect of owning the box, in a way. Yeah, that's true. I guess, like, no matter why it was happening, it was still happening because of the box. Yeah. Yeah. And each each person that's owned the box, each owner, um, they've been kind of sad to see it go as they had no control over it anymore. You know, they weren't supervising it. Yeah. Which is kind of... I get that, but, you know... It's weird as well. Imagine mm. if, like, this box is cursed. Yeah. And it's like, shit things start happening to you. Mm -hmm. But it also makes you like the box. Yeah. So that you don't want it to leave. Oh, that's creepier mm -hmm. than before. It's weird. But oh, they said no. that they do also feel relief. But this box just has a hook on them. I hate it so much. It just doesn't let I go. I hate this. Now, onto something fun and possibly very dangerous. Oh. Haxon decided to work with scientists. And a range of people like rabbis, Wiccans, and other people from other areas of the spiritual paranormal fields, what have you, like every yeah. kind of thing like that, to diffuse its energy and put the box and its contents in what's called a rest state. 
Which, what does that mean? I was like, this is new to me. So let me have a googling goo. It's not like a nap. It's oh, I was thinking maybe it's like a it chills out being cursed <laughs> for a bit. I mean, yeah, I think it, it does do that. But the thing is, he just goes to then talk about the end result. Oh. I didn't get to find out all the sciencey stuff that actually went oh. on. And I was really excited. Yeah, I was hoping for some like experiments and stuff. Mm, same. Like, did you poke it with magnets? But for the past several years, he says, he seals it with an acacia wood arc lined in 24 karat gold. It has indeed calmed its effects. So he's put it in another box? Yes. Oh, okay. I believe so. I'd be feeling good too if I was that box having a globe with 24 karat gold. Yeah. First it was oil and now it's gold. And now it's got, yeah, this box is getting Cause a bit of trouble and you'll get, you know. You'll get like a manicure. Some gold teeth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Grills. But no, not but. I just want to mention something that makes me laugh and a bit baffled. This guy kept it in his home. I'm gonna go out of sequence a bit, but bear with me. He hasn't the family home. He's got a wife and children, and like any plain Joe, he keeps it in his basement. And he's in America, so you know the basements there are quite big. Even the ones they consider small to us, they're kind of big. I hate. Why would you keep it there? I know it's I mean, just ridiculous. Just have else to put it. He calls it a den, and I haven't seen blueprints of the house, but I imagine it to be more of a basement than a den. I mean, some Americans call their living room a den, don't they? <laughs> I should call my bedroom a den, if you want. I mean, that's yeah. just me. But in another interview, he said it might seem odd, but I would like the dibbuk box to be buried with me and for it to be finally gone from this world. Why does everybody want it to be buried with them? I think they just wanted to be gone from this world. His children did not agree with this. <laughs> I wonder why. They were like, no, dad, it's not going with you into the ground. It's just you. So he also states that he cared about the safety of his family, his wife and his children. Really? You brought it into your house and you care about them? That, that doesn't add up. I mean, he did line it with gold. Yeah, but it took him years to then eventually do that. I guess so. It was open. Well, not literally open, but it was out in the wild open. Uh, doing its thing. Bleh. You know, his wife by default wasn't interested in elements of the paranormal and, you know, any kind of spooky stuff. So, so she, she was just like, She whatever. didn't bother with it. She didn't interact with it that we know of. But yeah. his children were super into it and would, in fact, approach the box. They'd go into his den slash basement room and look at it, probably talk to it, but he tacks on at the end trying to, like, just defend them a bit, saying that they did so with respect and caution. Of course they did. Yeah, they probably licked it. (laughs) (laughs) And now they don't stop crying. (laughs) So just paint them, okay? (laughs) So yeah, this guy knew of the box's history with living prior owners. He'd talked to them about it. And he still brought it to him. That's a red flag for me. Who does that? Can you imagine if if David did that? Yeah, I would. If he... (sighs) And on top of that, he then... He... He didn't tell his family that he brought it home? So he only told them when it was in the house and too late. Yeah. He was like, by the way, I brought this cursed box. Yeah. Like, you know this box? It's actually... <laughs> it's actually, like, long cursed. <laughs> it's like a Gen Z box, but... I'd be so pissed. Yeah. But there was... I wanted to kind of find out the age of the children, but it was very ambiguous. Okay. But it made them sound quite young, like seven to ten or six. But then like as well, children, when children. he said that like um, the children did not agree to bury their father with the box, that makes it sound like they're older. I think that was a, a few years on. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, they went shoving the mic to a five-year-old being like, what's your dad doing with this ghost box? And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be buried with him. 
not like that. Okay. And then, and then his opening line for this interview that he gave, it was, I've always done my best to keep the debit box away from my family. It's in your house. Which is why I went out of sequence here, because I needed all it's of that. It's in your house, Before I, did, I gave out his opening line, because he then just contradicts himself completely. <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers. Null admit it, okay, when he, when he first got it, they were very young children, although children can be like ghost magnets, which I'm not okay with. He had it in the house for a minimum of seven years. Oh my god. So they do eventually fall into the teenagers, and I think that's where they eventually are asked about it. Um, he also says that they didn't know about its location within the house or about his research into it. So I guess occasionally they would see it and then just it would get moved in the basement. But it wasn't moving by itself. No. Ooh. No, okay. it wasn't. <laughs> I refuse to even entertain that as a possibility. Yeah, okay. If my parents told me that, if they were doing experiments on a haunted box, I'd be pissed. Can you imagine? Yeah, I would not be okay with like, any you know of that. I'd be like, that, get that fucking you know that box. box you licked when you were six? Yeah, there's something in it. <laughs> it's full of ghosts. <laughs> I want to be buried with it. <laughs> he explains why he wants the box buried with him. Oh. And you'll like this. It is more of a fear that doing this could somehow bring a curse on him. That's the problem of trusting the living to carry out your desires. Now, I'm not sure who he means by him. Yeah. And it's always had me thinking, who the hell is he talking like, about? Is he talking about himself? Or is he talking about someone in the box? Or is he talking about whoever buries him? Yeah. Is it going like, to curse them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe. maybe. I mean, he does kind of sound like he's talking like he's already dead. I hate this so much. It, it kind of, like, it creeped me out and made me uncomfortable laugh comprehending it. <laughs> yeah, that's just creepy. I think this guy's been spending too much time around the box. Exactly. He's been spending too much time with his box. Paxton is a tricky one to figure out at this point, as he discusses his own personal belief with the box and its power. He is now very diplomatic about it, to the point where it's almost irritating. He says, I wish it was designed and equipped to, to move a person towards their innermost desire or wish. And he says, of course, sometimes what a person wants is not always a good thing for them or others. And it's like, you're very on the fence with this. What the fuck is he on about? Yeah, exactly. It sounds like I'm derailing. It's him. <laughs> he also claims to feel that the debit box moves forward and towards understanding and exposing the truth at the smallest level. So it's, it's quote unquote, helping him. Okay. So this is a ghost box, but he's now thinking it's some kind of philosophy box. Yeah. What the hell? And he's like, it saved me. It's like, no, I think it's kind of like possessed you, but... Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, so at this point, he's not talking about the creators of the box and the way it was physically constructed by that family he spoke to, but in the way that the Dibbox... The Dibbox, the... Remember from the folklore. Yeah, the ghost in the box. The way it's been sealed within this container. The so way he's now not talking about the box being created as like a box. He's yeah. talking about the ghost inside it and how mm-hmm. that how that was created. That I see that event. Yeah. Just in case anyone gets mixed up, as it was mentioned earlier, he'd made contact with the family who made it, and then wondered why he hadn't asked them. He had, but um, they didn't imbue the spooky element onto the box. Other people did that since this construction. So it was, they were like, yeah, we made it a normal box. And then we, it, we made it for wine. Yeah, and exactly. And now it's full of ghosts. And someone's put the ghosts in it, you know, not us. Okay. So th- at least that bit's cleared up. 
Okay, you yeah, know, we yeah. can, so it wasn't made for ghosts. It was made for delicious yeah, wine. We can, and then somebody we've got a timeline for it now. Okay. You know, right. box and then ghosts. Okay, and it's not like it was made sense. of spooky wood. Anyway, he says that there's not willing to move forward and, you know, like sort of embrace the box, whatever. Would receive uh, stronger assaults from it until they they let go of the box until they moved on. So it could find someone who would fulfill its destiny. So he he really gives it a an element of its own So awareness. he's completely personifying this box. He is. And really creepy. Because it's like, does he have someone like talking to him in his mind? Being like, yeah, I'm the box. I'm in the box and I want to do this thing. Will you help me? I hate that so much. <laughs> this is my first time. I that. I'm thinking, like, is he slowly <laughs> losing his grip on reality? I think so. Because don't forget, he also said that he wanted to be buried with it. And he's talking about it like it's his bestie. Yes, yeah, I hate this so much. <laughs> can we just hurry up so I can go to bed and not have to think about his books? <laughs> I will try. Um, so it could find someone who would fulfill its destiny. Yep. Yeah. And accomplish the goal or the task it was being given, which I mentioned earlier, being buried with someone, i.e. the grandma. So basically, Perhaps. the whole thing is this box wants to be buried with someone. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Ugh. no. And then I hate this. he's come up with the idea of, you know, if that does indeed happen, it will then stay in a neutral state. Right, okay. And it, it won't harm anyone. Turns out this risk-taking potato was writing a book while conducting this research. Of course he was. He's keeping away from his family. So that's always... <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> the loved ones that were completely oblivious no, no, to his book No, no, you need to stop that sentence again. No, I don't. No, you do. No, I will. Okay. So it turns out he was also writing a book while conducting his research. Of course he fuck he was. You know, like really smart. Everything that he's keeping away from his family, they didn't know he was writing anything on oh it. Oh my God. So he's got a box he's not told anyone about. He's writing a book he's not telling anyone about. <laughs> yeah. He wants to be buried with the box. He's, <laughs> he's like, I'm obsessed with this box that I'm going to like keep secrets. Uh, yeah, they were oblivious to his plans. And he released the book about the Dubbo's box in November 2011. Oh. So he's had the box for a while. Yeah. So then, he wrote the book. It's been published that yeah. length of time. You can buy he's it. He's had the box. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then despite making a ton of money off it because it just, boom, it, it gave him a lot of sales, as you can imagine, because a lot of us read this spooky stuff. Um, the opportunities presented itself, you know, he was like, why shouldn't I write a book and bought it and sell it? Yeah. Let's do it. And if we go back to his diplomatic way of thinking about things, you know, he says when he was asked why he wrote the book, he said, depends on how your mind's feeling it when you're around it. And I was like, pardon. What? <laughs> like, I feel a bit more sick. But he also makes a bit of a fuss and a song and dance about writing it on his own. As as his last co-author was said to be a brilliant paranormal writer, we get this, the curse followed him home completely and it manifested in him, in his children, and in his house. No, it didn't. Once the co-author sent back all the materials he'd given to him and start working on it, everything returned to normal. And he still refuses to speak of it. Like, even wow. now, 2020 So this odd. guy is a paranormal writer. Yeah. Like, his career is writing about spooky shit. Yeah, he's used to being around this kind of thing. Yeah. He's not phased by like it. Like, he's he made his living it. off it. Mm-hmm. And he took materials home to write about this box. Yeah. And it was... His experience was so bad. Yeah. He now does not talk about it. He, no. It's silent. Oh. Yeah. It's, Hate this it's box. Gross. 
I hate this box so much. <laughs> it sucks. I've never found a name for this guy, and it wouldn't all shock me if this was made up because yeah. he's not given his name, so there's no way for us to be posed with a counter version of events. It contradicts yeah, us. Yeah, I guess if he's not named anywhere, how do we know that this mm-hmm. is even real? Yeah, exactly. And even if you find him, if you refuse <laughs> Maybe to- he's... A ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> even if you found him, you know, the ghostwriter, if he still refuses to speak about it, so don't even bother, he's just tacking that on. In the event that someone does go look for it, you know what, what I've written, that doesn't make sense, can you put it out? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I will do that for you. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, right. This Haxton fella didn't remain completely alone, though, while writing the book. Because, you know, with this box, he's never alone. Um, (laughs) His co-author went through this drastic ordeal. It didn't stop him pursuing his goal of publishing a book. Of all subjects, you've got to choose this for, like, your book goal. He, yeah, okay. So he came across a guy called Giles Fowler, who he hired as, like, a mentor to him. Yeah. To, you know, guide him, write the book. You know, he he was writing it solo, but... You know, what have you? He worked it out. I found a few things from blogs back in the day talking about it. There's a mention of a lawyer that represented Sam Raimi, who was a director and producer uh, of, example, the OG Spider-Man trilogy. Okay, yeah, yeah. He worked on them. So pretty big name. Uh, asking him about the rights to make a film. Because he wanted them. He was like, you know what? I He's want like, it. this sounds horrible. Let me make a film about it. Yeah. <laughs> Spooky money. I'll take it. <laughs> but Axton initially said no. And he was, he was like, though, you know, I don't mind the idea of the story being retold. I originally told them no. It doesn't matter to me. If he's, you know, a big name, I don't care. I was just starting my book. My kids were still on. Yeah. He was he was just happy with the way things were going at the start. Okay. Um, he didn't want anything to get in the way of that. But as time went by, he gave it a bit of thinking. Okay. And a contract was eventually drawn up. <laughs> he just saw those dollar signs and he's like, ooh, spooky money. But it allowed, you know, sellouts are just so... Sellouts will sell out. Sad to see. Yep. Adios. <laughs> but he made sure to keep the rights to a book, documentaries, replica boxes that would be made, oh and a God. few other elements. And it's like, for Get your souvenir boxes. Get your souvenir <laughs> Get boxes. Get them while they're hot. All the souvenir ghosts. <laughs> Can I get you one for Christmas? Please don't. No, I will. No, please. I'll put a bit of my hair in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But a movie based on the box called The Possession would be released the following August. There's a lot I could Have go I into waffle that? about, maybe, but I know I've done that far too much already. It's absolutely fine. It's alleged on the days of shooting, the shooting of the film, there will be shadows moving around, which is what shadows do. But these were like unnatural shadows. Oh. And then light bulbs, again, they were bursting when they weren't wired to do so. It's not like they were prop light bulbs that were going to go uh, They were just like regular lights. They were like, like the ones in... Just like normal light bulbs. Yeah. And they were yeah, just like... Just like yeah. Yeah. Weird. And... Uh, some days after the shooting had finished, yeah, the the whole warehouse that that housed the the props just burst into flames. Of course, it did. Whole thing was from head to foot ash. Wow, absolute ash! All everything was gone. It could be a voluptuous light bulb exploding and then fire doing what it does de- best. But could be. what if it wasn't? And why do both of our stories have fire in it? Ghosts, man. <gasps> 
<laughs> Ghosts. <laughs> For a semi-update, you know, this will be nice. Uh, Haxton sold it. Yay, more money. Like, he oh, needed okay. it more. Well, he right? got rid of it, though. He did, to Zach Bagans, who has a haunted museum in Nevada. You know what? If it's in a haunted museum, he will have loads of other shit that he's not supposed to have. And then he can just take care of it and it's his problem. <laughs> he he will. Oh, I didn't put it in my notes. It's probably good because it would take me a century to talk about it. But, but Post I'm going to talk about it. Post Malone had an incident with his box in the museum. Really? Yeah, really. It's a thing. Look it up. You, you know what, you guys? Look it up and tell me if you think it's actually Post spooky or not. Dibbit box. Yeah, really. It's a thing. Okay. It's a thing. And a okay, very well, recent update. I, oh. Yeah, really recent update. Like, literally, I googled this. No, look. Like, this morning. Groundbreaking. Yeah, it was like, it's why it's in a different font. Because I oh, just okay, smashed okay. it in. Didn't really. Very recent update. Do you remember Miss Noadis? Kevin. Don't remember what? Maddis. Oh, Kevin. yeah, yeah. Like, the first guy. Yeah. Oh, get this. The guy that bought it from the garage sale. Yeah. There was a Facebook post from his profile. Uh-huh. Another source has it coming from a video call interview. Said Facebook post cannot be found. But he spoke and said that the story of the young girl who had escaped the World War II camp, that the Nazis had detained her and her family in, all who were killed except for her, it was all made up. Oh. he made it all up. None of that was real. Oh. What an asshole. Yeah. So this is the thing. That's the end of it, by the way. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting. So, yeah. I mean, if he made all that up, yeah, then all the other stuff could be made up as well. It could be. This is the thing we don't know. And it's just a normal fucking box. Yeah. And he just told is a scary story. Is it just a whole mass everyone hysteria? everyone is, like, freaking out oh, because what? of this one story. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's weird. But yeah. this this one has always creeped me out. I it's just don't. Really I just creepy. don't like it. You the know what? Is, if it is a made up story, it's a yeah. very good made up. What story. if it isn't made up? And he said that, regret it, and then delete the post. It was like, you know, I shouldn't cause any further disruption with it. I don't know, but I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate all of it. So that's me. Nicely done. Bonk. Thank you. I knew you'd choose that fucking box. <laughs> well, at least I put that bin at the end. You did. You know, which is why I insisted that we did yeah. it tonight, so you can um, have some peace of mind. to the next one? Yeah. So, the second haunted object that I want to talk about, we're also staying in the UK for. Okay. So, this time we're going back to the 1600s. Oh, wow. Okay. So, we're going back far. This is the back. furthest back yeah. we've ever been. <laughs> Emmanuel da- a Fucking God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> A man called Daniel Orty lived in a village called Kirkby Whisk, which is near Thirsk in Yorkshire. Yeah. So, again, we're going back to Yorkshire. Very haunted But, yeah, both my stories are happening around Yorkshire, which is not on purpose, no. but I kind of like it. Oops. Anyway, Daniel Orty was a bit of a criminal. Yeah. I've seen some reports that he stole jewellery and jewels, but the thing that everyone seems pretty sure of is that he made a lot of his money counterfeiting coins. Oh, cool. Nice. Counterfeiting coins was absolutely rife in this era, and the value of currency would fluctuate a lot because people were fucking with the money left, right, and centre. Mm. I found an interesting article about it on the University of Cambridge website where the Royal Mint in the 1600s chastised counterfeiters, and they referred to them as, quote, naughty persons, which I found quite amusing. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> he did this by shortening them, otherwise known as clipping them, where he'd clip the coins around the outside, then yeah. melt down the clipped bits and make new coins with them. That's cool. You should try that now. We should not try that now. He was quite good at it and he made enough money to buy himself a farm which he subsequently named after himself Danity Hall wow the farm wasn't so he could quit his day job of being a criminal and become a legitimate farmer he wanted more space for his criming yeah so 
So underneath the farm, Daniel built a huge underground room. And in this basement, he had all the space for his counterfeiting work. Nice. Daniel Orty had a daughter, Elizabeth. She married a man in the local village of Kirkby Whisk, who was also a bit of a dodgy bloke, just like her dad. His name was Thomas Busby. And even though her dad didn't always see eye to eye with him, he ended up helping Daniel out in the family fraud business. They became counterfeit partners. And whilst they were a good team in terms of getting crime done, Thomas was a bit of a liability. So he was a big drinker. Mm. And that really didn't sit right with Daniel. So not because he was like morally against alcohol or anything, but he just couldn't have... It's not going to help him get the work done. Exactly. So he just couldn't have his partner in crime turning up up drunk all the time. So he just used to turn up wasted and couldn't get anything done. So Daniel was like, this fucking guy. Mm. So Thomas and Elizabeth lived in an inn in the village. And one night after a blazing drunken row, Daniel came into the inn to take Elizabeth home with him, away from her drunk husband. She refused to leave, and the pair decided to wait until Thomas turned up. Okay. So the father and the daughter had, they'd had a few drinks. They got a bit pissed with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they decided to wait until Thomas came home before they sort of settled the argument and decided what was going on. Mm-hmm. Daniel sat in Thomas's favorite drinking chair and waited. Okay, yeah. When Thomas arrived at the inn, he was more pissed that Daniel was sat in his favourite chair than that he was about to take Elizabeth away. Wow. Okay. Thomas Busby, of course, arrived home already wasted, and it didn't take much for the two men to end up in a huge fight. Mm. They argued about everything from Elizabeth to their counterfeiting business, mm. and in the end, Daniel ended up going back to his farm alone. So he was oh, just wow. like, fuck this whole thing. Yeah. I'm leaving. Enjoy being drunk, you fucking loser. You idiot person. Thomas yeah. was pissed unable to talk her husband down from his rage elizabeth could do nothing as thomas left the inn and followed her father walking the three miles back to the farm oh that sounds not good he broke into danity hall and beat daniel to death with one of the counterfeiting (gasps) hammers oh yeah it's not like those things were like sterile back then i mean if you beat someone to death with a hammer now it's not great yeah no but it was like, especially. <laughs> so he dragged the body into the woods around the farm and just left him there. It didn't take long for Daniel's body to be found, and it took even less time for Thomas to be hauled into court and put on trial. For <laughs> oh, wow. So he That's was found kind of guilty as fuck and yeah. sentenced to hang. Ooh, nice. So before he. You looked really happy about that. <laughs> I am. So before he was executed, Thomas Busby was allowed to have a last request. Mm hmm unsurprisingly to anyone he asked for a drink <laughs> of course he did what did he, he have? specifically i don't know but he specifically asked for a drink in his favorite chair oh so is it a little rocking chair does he just i don't think it's back? a rocking chair it's just a wooden chair yeah yeah okay. it's it's i've seen pictures of it it doesn't look that great yeah. so he was granted the request and he sat in his chair and had a drink in in the inn Mm. Um, and as he was being led away to hang he announced that anyone who sat in his favourite chair would die a horrible death and thus the chair was cursed oh fuck's sake come on Thomas Busby was hung quite close to the inn because the village is quite small so outside the pub there's like a crossroads so so the pub is at a crossroads because obviously a lot of people coming through town would stop at the inn and have a drink and rest and whatever um and the gallows was always erected at the crossroads because it's the middle. Mm, um, so nice he just happened to be hung outside his pub. <laughs> After he was dead, his body was dipped in tar and hung from a gibbet. Ooh. And I didn't know what a gibbet was, so I no. had to Google this. It turns oh. out that 
like you'll know what it is but i just didn't know what it was called yeah. so it's a big beam where they hang your corpse up to warn people against doing crime oh right so yeah. it's like a display rack for yeah. bodies mm-hmm. so sometimes I I dipped in tar, though. well sometimes they hook you up in a cage yeah and the cage was so then like the birds could sort of peck at you but not completely decimate you and so bits of you wouldn't fall off uh, but if they didn't have a cage i suppose they dipped you in tar to prevent bits of you falling off too quickly yeah. to keep you all together so then you could like it's organized yeah so the thing is the guy who owned the inn loved a scandal oh good for him he I mean, loved a bit of drama yeah he, he loved well a bit of drama it. he loved a bit of gossip and he, he wanted something to draw people in to visit his inn and now <laughs> this was the perfect thing so he yeah. told everyone he could think about about the cursed chair Ooh. and he even renamed his inn the busby stoop inn oh wow yeah so since then there have been a lot of stories about people sitting in the chair and dying shortly afterwards oh okay in 1984 what? A chimney sweep and his friend were drinking in the pub. Yeah. It was the chimney sweep who sat in Busby's favourite chair, and the next morning, he was found hanging from the gatepost next to the gibbet where Thomas Busby's body was put on display. <laughs> what? He was hanging? Yeah. He was hanging from the gatepost. Who hanging? Because a ghost can't do that. The chair, maybe. Yeah, the, the chair walked up, collected some rope, and was like, well, in a noose around this guy. Maybe. Like a lasso. I think not. During the Second World War, Canadian airmen drinking from the nearby base at Skipton on Swale would commonly dare each other to sit in the chair. Oh no, guys, no. No, no, no. According to the locals, many of these men never returned from bombing missions over Germany. I don't want it to be the curse, but I kind of feel like it is the curse. In addition to this, Tony Earnshaw, a local who would later go on to buy the pub, mm-hmm. overheard two Canadian airmen talking in 1967. They both dared one another to sit in the chair, Mm-hmm. And on the way home to the base that night, they crashed their car into a tree and both of them died. Wow, so it's a killing chair. It's not even just cursed, it's death. Yeah, all these people so far have died. Yeah, no one survived. Yeah, that's... That's mental. That's the... Yeah, I know, it's scary. Usually there's some kind of, like, maybe one slipped and got away. I mean, but maybe no people did, this but chair. this is the ones that we know of. Like, we know of the ones where people died, Ooh, so... They I recorded know. death like So once turning... Tony, fuck, once Tony Earnshaw owned the inn in the 70s, he mm-hmm. witnessed another strange chair-related incident. Yeah. A group of builders came in for a drink and they dared their youngest colleague to sit in the chair for, for his drink. Yeah. He did so. Obviously, he wanted to prove to his mates that he was just as brave as they were. Yeah. The young man fell through a roof that same day, landing on the hard c- concrete below, dying instantly. Aww. After this, Tony had the chair moved to the basement. Well, <laughs> no more chair deaths, he no. thought. He was like, that's it, to the basement. Too much I've got insurance to think about. <laughs> oh, Tony. Yeah. In 1978, a delivery guy from the brewery was moving kegs into the basement. No, he, he took wasn't. a seat in the chair because moving kegs is hard work. No, he didn't. And on his way out, he mentioned to Tony Earnshaw how comfortable that chair is in the basement. Oh my god, this poor guy. And <laughs> such a nice piece of furniture shouldn't be in the cellar. That afternoon, he lost control of his van and crashed. He was killed. He was too busy thinking about the chair. That's Tony it. Earnshaw had had enough of the cursed <clears throat> chair and he gave it to the Thirsk Museum, telling them that they could have it as long as nobody was allowed to sit in it. Ever. They tested it. They the took the warning seriously and nailed the chair to the wall near the ceiling so nobody can see it. <laughs> There's photos of it up there. It's it's up. Is it still there? Yeah, it's like nailed up by the ceiling so no one can sit in it. <laughs> I gotta see this. It's like six feet up. It's amazing. Oh my god. So I'll post it on Instagram. 
apparently the museum gets requests from people all the time to sit in the chair and yeah. people travel from all over to see it and demand to sit in it but the museum says no every time wow interestingly yeah. a historian who specializes in furniture what a job i'm just saying yeah a furniture specifically a furniture historian um, has examined the chair and he found that it was made using a technique only developed in the 1800s and mm. he dated the chair to 1840 which is 138 years after Thomas Busby was executed mm. so either the historian is wrong or this chair isn't the same chair no yeah. either way locals report seeing Thomas Busby's ghost in the area and in the halls of the pub as well mm. as the number of weird deaths related to the cursed chair yeah so it's just a weird story all around yeah. would you sit in the chair yeah <laughs> what I would after everything I've just told you I yeah. would not sit in that fucking chair yeah but what if I get to like see stuff afterwards before I die that sounds terrible I can at least tell you that it's real I'd rather you were here <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't because I'm not saying I believe everything mm. because a lot of it is anecdotal a lot of it is like village legend stuff yeah. but I wouldn't fucking chance it because what if it's it's not worth sitting in a chair yeah mm-hmm. to then die horribly in some sort of weird accident in a few hours just, just to sit in a chair to, to give me that a thrill <laughs> that little just bit of curiosity be satisfied it'd have an answer and then yeah but what dead. if it is real and then that's it you're dead and i can just say real <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't so you actually would sit in the chair yeah i'd at least want to like touch it idiot be like, hello, chair, it's me. I might sit on you today. We'll, go, we'll get into it. It's nailed to the ceiling in a museum in Thursk, so. I can do it. <laughs> like, grab onto it. Imagine if I broke it. It'd be so embarrassing. It would be. I'd be like, I've got a bit of your chair. <laughs> I've got a bit of the cursed chair. <laughs> What's going to happen? That would either be really like, embarrassing to give back. It could make the curse it. worse. It could. Or it could get rid of the curse. I don't know. What happens when you break curse things? Because I know when you set fire to it, people say it releases the spirit in it, if there's a spirit in it. I don't know what happens if you broke the leg off the cursed chair. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Should we give it a try? No. You said it was in Yorkshire. Yes. And I can Google map it. Let's not go to first. We'll go in June. Why in June? It's your birthday. Why would we go and see a cursed chair for my birthday? Because it'll be fun. No. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. That sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, it sounds very fun. <laughs> it's not happening. I'll go on my own. Anyway. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> yep, that's my second story. That's it. Nice. Thank Got a you. spooky chair. I love, I love spooky chairs. Okay, so my haunted object, mm-hmm. number two, mm-hmm. is called the Hope Diamond. Ooh, we've got some haunted jewellery. We do. Okay. And it's this gorgeous. I die Oh, are there pictures it. of it? Yes, there is. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, right. It's Show me later. Its name is what drew me to it, to be honest. Its diamonds are usually displays of excessive wealth. Yeah. Beauty. Yeah. Royalty. Yeah. It's a whole set of high class people that are in a different circle to us little working people. Yeah. We're little working bees. Yeah, diamonds are fancy, fancy. Out of reach. But this diamond's cursed. Oh. It goes by other names such as Le Bijou du Roy, the King's Jewel. Tavernier Blue and Le Bleu de France, the French Blue. Oh! Mm, it's very French. I'm getting to it. Mm. So, bit of a timeline. Okay, so the diamond was mined in India back in the 17th century from the Kala mine in Gunter. And in its original state, its size was up to 112 carats and was triangular and it was a very chunky boy. Triangular. 
That sounds huge. Yeah, it was massive. Wow, okay. It was a honking great diamond. Very valuable. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it was worth a lot. Imagine holding that and just being like, like a philosopher's stone, but better. (laughs) Now, how it got from India to France is often summarized as as this, and literally just this. It was obtained by a gem merchant named Jean-Baptiste Taverner in 1666. Oh. Yeah, so we've ended up going to the same century. That's kind of weird. It is weird. Because we didn't discuss this. We did not. We kept it very secret. Yeah. Very weird. Separate. Yeah. Mm. But also it's it's frustrating that this guy is said to just obtain it when he definitely just stole it. <laughs> you <laughs> reckon like, he pinched it? Yeah. I was reading some stuff and I was like, yeah, he just sneaked that in his pocket. Fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't just happen upon it. Yeah, if you obtain it, like, well, how did he obtain it? Yeah, did he, he literally just picked it up <laughs> and then walked away. <laughs> so I would just like, yeah, mm, yeah. Some people say that it was already cursed according to some mythologies. Oh, so it was just cursed from the start. It was uh, when it was it was plucked from an idol in India. Yeah, so it was. Part oh, of the kind statue. of like Disney's Aladdin stuff with little Abu when he's just like, I'm just going to take this and then he's going to go pilfering and then everything becomes cursed and it falls apart. Yeah, yeah so this basically happened. Yeah, so it said that he you've got Instagram on your laptop. It notifies me. That's really cool. Oh, I've lost my place. Accounts from like medieval times. I'm always like, meh. You also thought people were witches though. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I really but yeah, but like, How correct is this information? <laughs> well, some people do think that he just stole this from a statue. I mean, it, was it already sounds like he stole it from thing. somewhere. It's just where yeah. he nicked it from mm-hmm. is yeah. what's up for debate. But to then, you know, mess up a statue just to get something out of it is pretty rude. The amount of stuff it's we've got in the British Museum in London oh, no. that we've stolen as a nation. Yeah. I mean, it's shameful. It's pretty bad. Yeah. We've collected it and we've bought it. Yeah. I mean, uh, the only thing I can say is that it's safe from weather erosion. Yeah. But that's literally the only thing I can think of that's good. And there's some stuff in the museums and I just think they would be great trigger objects. Get them out the glass. Trigger objects? Yeah, for ghosts and stuff. Oh, right. You know, like if we put Ryan and Shane in the museum, took all the glass off. Oh my God, that sounds. Amazing. (laughs) It sounds like a dream come true. It sounds. It'd be a hell of an episode. It would. It would. (laughs) Anyway, we are watching. I think it'd be the last episode. (laughs) Okay, so it said later that this Jean guy. Okay, so he he sold the jewel to King Louis the Fourteenth of France in sixteen sixty eight. So yeah, about two years maybe. Okay, three. And here's where it's cut by a court jeweler. Oh. Jean Patel, or Jean Patel, Mr. Patel, under instruction of King Louis XIV in 1673 to enhance its brilliance. Um, Louis was really an ODT jewels guy. Oh, really? Was he, he loved into, big, like, fat big gems. ostentatious like shit. Like me, if if I had that access to gems like they did back then. Yeah, so he was just really into to like, big statement pieces. Big like, pieces. Like, to be covered in diamonds. Yeah, having them on his knuckles, on his clothes. Oh, okay. Like, embellished into his clothes. Ooh. In his little hats. Little hats. And <laughs> crowns and, you know, all that. 
royal jazz. But this court jeweler worked on Steinman for two years. Two years? He was, he was cutting it, it took and polishing two years? Two years. I didn't realise it years. took that long to cut a gem. Neither did I. And I was like, maybe they've just got super speedy at it in modern day. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it takes them two years and they just don't see anything. Yeah, maybe that's why diamonds are so expensive because it takes people two years to make them fancy, fancy. Yeah, oh, I need some dates. <laughs> <laughs> so after it was it was finished being cut by this court jeweler, it became 67 one out of eight or one eight carats. I'm guessing the value went down with that and I'm not sure what I just said. But it was okay. it was still big and probably heavy and it was said to be the size of a pigeon's egg. Oh, yeah. So it's still huge. It's still huge. It's been cut, you know, probably feathered down a bit. Yeah, but it's still fucking massive. Yeah. Wow. And it was here renamed Blue Diamond of the Crown. Oh, mm. okay. So did it go in the crown? I. Or was it just off the crown as in belonging to royalty? Belonging to royalty, I would Okay, say. okay. And thankfully, King Louis loved the diamond. He was like, oh, thank you so much. He wore it around his neck. Oh, so he... It, it was, was a statement necklace. necklace. It was fucking... Wow. It, Finished the coat of his outfit. I can't wait to see what this diamond looks like. I'm it was so set in gold it. and it had a little ribbon to support. Oh, oh. support! <laughs> Why did I? This is where the bad luck and the rise of the curse on the diamond begins to snowball. Oh, no. Because don't forget, this isn't just a fun fashion piece for this king. It's cursed diamond. It's cursed. Let's go. He gave the diamond. Oh. I'm staggered by the curse. <laughs> he gave the good diamond. He, gave the <laughs> he then gave the diamond to a mistress, which is very. I was about to say that's a pretty expensive gift for a mistress. But then is he this cut her huge off fucking diamond and took the diamond back. It said what that he just asshole. like disowned her. Was like, get out my palace. I'm I'm done with you know working. What the here. fuck? Yeah, and I assume he took the diamond back from her. So it was then passed down to his great grandson. Louis the Fifteenth, who had placed it in a, a grander jewel pendant in seventeen forty nine, as he wanted it to be a bit more. Oomph. So he already had this huge diamond that was set in gold mm-hmm. in a necklace, and yeah. he was like, "This isn't huge enough." Yeah, he was like, "More macaroni, more cheese, more macaroni." <laughs> that was his attitude. Towards if it. anybody understood the reference, more macaroni, <laughs> yeah, more cheese, let us know. I need to know about it because. That's it's quite a niche anyway. <laughs> it sorry. is. No, no, it's fine. It's good. Another tragedy said to be from the Hope Diamond, Louis had gifted it to Queen Marie Antoinette. Oh. Yeah, which is really cool. So she's around. Hell yeah. So wait a second. What? This isn't gonna be like the talking pile of diamonds. I don't think so. Okay. But it weird, it's weird because that's what I imagined it to yeah, be. Yeah, so like... I imagined that hey, puppet me. the whole time. That big, big pile, pile of diamonds. diamonds. <laughs> I fucking love that song. That's one of my favourite songs. It's the best. I think it's my favourite song. It's like bookmarked on SoundCloud. Oh. <laughs> Is that actually? Yeah, it's, it's whole discography. I love that. It's but yeah, I, I think yeah. the pile of diamonds is my favourite song yeah. out of all of them. It's very fun. So, so Marie Antoinette got this diamond, mm-hmm. but it's not that diamond. No, I, I suppose they had a lot. She of received diamonds. a lot of diamonds. In yeah, I think she probably got a few. Okay, so she ended up. I didn't know she had a cursed diamond. Yeah, and it said that the uh, their becoming beheadedness during the French Revolution is due to this curse. Oh. They reckon it was like all the political piling up, and then this was a chair on top just drew everything to a fall, drew everything to a head. 
Ja. <lacht> Indeed. On September 11th, in 1792, I kept reading this as 1972. And <laughs> like I was like, time no, job. no, too far forward. 1792. 1792, it was stolen. Oh. By a group of thieves. Oh my God. It wasn't just one thief, it was a group. While the royal family had been locked away. Oh, Before right. they were going to be uh, chopped. Yeah. They then went in and pinched it. The robbery went on for five days. That's a long robbery. It is. And it's like your dream where I carried the hamster. We traveled for five days. <laughs> I had a dream last night that I told Sophie about before we started recording. There was a hamster and we went on a journey, but that's not the point. No. Anyway. It wasn't a cursed diamond. <laughs> it wasn't a cursed diamond. It that's wasn't a cursed hamster. Let's carry on. <laughs> so just imagine all that loot and stuff you could get from five, five days. days. In a in a palace? In a palace. I suppose that's oh. why it took five days. There was a lot to carry. Yeah, and it'll be heavy. Yeah. And you know big all the furniture you have such gaudy taste you i know love this. it's because i'm so poor <laughs> <laughs> love this. a lot of it had been uh, recovered with the order of the golden fleece included i tried looking up what that is but i'm not sure what that is it sounds like a rule book but then it also sounds like a literal cloak cape i mean do you know what the golden fleece is no Okay, it's to do with... I'm not going to go into it now because it's a long story, but okay. it's all like Greek mythology oh, stuff. Cool. It's the kind of thing that you'd be very interested in, so yeah. I recommend looking it up. Mm. I'll look into that. Cool. Yeah, definitely look Thank it up. I'm not going to go into it now because I will derail you Woo. if I'm allowed. Well, so. that had been stolen and now it's come back. Oh, okay. Does that give you peace of mind? Um, as a... As a well, I wasn't sure that it was an book. actual artifact that was still remaining, so... I mean, Maybe it might not be. I think it's now. yeah. I <laughs> I think probably whatever this is was named after it, but I don't think it was the actual golden fleece. Okay. Well, the blue diamond had vanished. Oh. Just. just it was gone. like one of five things that wasn't recovered. Oh, so they got most of it back. Yeah, they got most of it back. The blue diamond had vanished, and there's already been a lot of work done on it, and a lot of royal hands having their claim to ownership of the diamond for a bit. Yeah. Anyway, but always seems to escape them, and this is where a shift is set in stone for the rest of time. Stone. You are really pleased with that pun. I am, and I got She's zero so reaction from it. She was just flat, it's like expressionless. I'm... <laughs> I'm here for the story, not for your shitty jokes. They went on a pretty wild road trip in the rest of the 1700s, 1800s. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, of course. Tell me. <laughs> An unnamed Russian prince obtained the diamond, lent it to a French actress, and soon after fatally shot her. What? Revolutionary stabbed the prince to death as punishment for his crime. That just escalated really quickly. <laughs> it did. It also, like, how many people are just like, this diamond is this fucking huge expensive diamond, <laughs> and people are just like giving it as gifts to each other? Yeah. Like it's. What yeah, the fuck? Back then, you could just exchange diamonds. So yeah, it of course, like I kind of want to get like in on that. People were just like swapping diamonds. I'd love to do that. That's bonkers. How I many have... diamonds did these people have? I'm starting off with no diamonds. I'd like to obtain some so then I could trade them. <laughs> it doesn't work like that anymore, does it? <sighs> no. So I don't know. But yeah, the fact that he just randomly shot her. I don't think it was random though. You think it was the curse? I think it was the curse. It was fatal. I even wrote down fatally. So he was stabbed to death yeah. uh, as a way of execution, which is kind of... That seems a bit 
weird. <laughs> it's like, very let's extreme. Just stab him. Just like, <laughs> like obviously, most executions are kind of measured. Yeah. So did they just like did they have a particular place where they stab you? Was that like uh, the execution? I think stab? they stabbed him in the woods. No, I meant oh, <laughs> on like a location on his body. Oh right, because <laughs> obviously if you stab someone, it isn't necessarily going to kill you. Like if you yeah. get stabbed in sort of the abdomen, yeah, you you will eventually die from blood loss, but it yeah, might take it a while. Take so a while. I mean, I wonder if they had a particular stabby method. I don't know. I think they just went people. for it and just went. Beep, 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 beep. That sounds terrible. Well, what he did was terrible. Yes, it was. So, eye for an eye. I don't necessarily agree with you, but <laughs> let's move on. And it's also here we get a short insight to what happened after the theft took place. So it, it did extreme stuff, but after it had been stolen. Okay. Oh, it's not in the, the hands of the royals anymore. It's in the, yeah. the underworld doing cursed stuff. Okay. Which is pretty fun. There was a Dutch jeweler named Wilhelm Falls, would you say? I have no idea. Me neither. Mr. Falls was <laughs> responsible for cutting the 115 carat hoop diamond down to the 45 carat that we see in the museum today. Oh, it's in a museum? So it's, yeah, it's in a museum now. Oh, so you can go see it. Yeah, and I can go, I'd put you on my neck. <laughs> And then some Russian prince would shoot <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Not a good way to go. So it stops jumping from hand to hand. It's in the museum. It's fine. After the diamond cut, this Dutch jeweler was met with unfortunate circumstances when his son allegedly stole the diamond. Stupid. He then murdered his father and committed what? suicide. What? Wait. Wait, so he stole the diamond? <laughs> yes. Killed his father, which yeah. I'm assuming he stole... He killed the father so he could steal the diamond. But then why would you commit suicide? No, he stole the jewel from his dad. Yeah. And then murdered him. Oh. And then killed himself. Oh, that seems like a very It was a murder-suicide. Yeah, but why steal the diamond? Because he wanted it and then the curse took over him. He was like, I gotta kill someone. That sounds terrible. And now I hate my dad, so let's do this. I don't know. For many years, no one knew where the diamond had disappeared to. So it was, it was doing stuff. I'm feeling, I'm getting like Elder Wand vibes from this. <laughs> it's very cool. You kind of just almost imagine it glowing at this point. Oh, this is cursed. It is really cursed. In 1839, it was rediscovered in the catalogue of the gem collection held by a family of London bankers known as the Hopes. Oh, okay. Which is quite cool. Uh-huh. They then followed ownership in quick succession by a Greek jeweler. Uh, now that's not a typo. But I'm just... Just call him a Greek jeweler. A Greek jeweler who fell off a cliff as a result of losing control of his car. And there is a very little to unknown story of a sultan going insane. Oh. Completely just losing his mind. I don't know how the jewel was then removed from him. Probably by force. Yeah. (laughs) Probably. And a man named Habib Bey who drowned. Oh. I this is, find some, this is some Elder Wand bullshit. It is. Get it out of the wand. Now, a famous family of like socialites called the McLeans, uh-huh. they purchased the diamond in 1912, and the curse hit this family pretty damn hard. Oh. And it's probably the story that the diamond is most famous for. Uh-huh. So Evelyn Walsh McLean was a wealthy heiress who, in 1912, had purchased a hope diamond from Pierre Carter for a sum of money that's not specified. 
But it's a large amount, obviously. Yeah. It's going to be probably in the millions. According to legends passed down, there are rumors that she even wore the diamond on her dog's collar. So this, <laughs> so wait, so this is very diamond, who, like, so this diamond has got like hundreds of years of cursed history and death and mystery, and it's this big fat fucking diamond who was owned by French royalty. Yeah, and now a dog is wearing it. I totally put on my chihuahua. Yeah, <laughs> now the dog's wearing it. Okay, <laughs> really just wanted to check. Okay, yeah. <laughs> However, her poor fortune began when her mother-in-law passed away. And then soon after, her son died when he was 10 years old after being run over by a car. Ooh. Now, cars back then were pretty damn big and old-timey. They're not like the ones they are now. Yeah, no, so that's not So it's great. a different kind of impact. I'm just saying, shortly after this, the woman's husband abandoned her for another woman. Oh. And she was later committed to a mental institution. Oh, that sounds terrible. That's not good. It's not good at all. And it manages to get worse. She what? also had a daughter and she uh, died with the result being a drug overdose. Oh, shit. And this also caused Evelyn uh, to be forced to sell her newspaper business from oh. within the institution. I think she had to just sign it away. Yeah. And it was none other than the Washington Post. What? Yeah. So the person that owned the Washington Post and had, like, made it, maybe, maybe her parents had made it, whatever, and she'd inherited it, this happened to her. What the hell? I didn't know that. Neither did I. And I was like, the one That's crazy. <laughs> it's bonkers. So when Evelyn passes away, she dies with a mountain of down her shoulders. Yeah. Like, there is a lot. An absolute lot. Now, her cause of death is listed as alcoholism, but I'm not sure how that was done in a mental institute. Maybe was... she was released. Yeah. Maybe she was only held there for a while. Mm. And then they booted her out. Yeah. Or maybe it was complications due to alcoholism before she went in. I, I, I don't know. know. It's a mystery. It's a, yeah. It's a mystery. Evelyn's surviving children, I'm not sure how many children she had, sold the diamond to a well-known jeweller for money to help them pay off this debt. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that um, this actually came into British royalty as well before this heiress got it? So it, it came from... Royals to crime underworld, back yeah. to royalty, and then bankers, and then this lady. Yeah, it went to the line of King George for a bit. And then things went a bit higgledy-piggledy for them, <laughs> as for you real? would say. For realsies, yeah. And then it, it went to these bankers, and this guy just logged everything. Um, One of the Hope family members, he also had debt. So I think the diamond was just being sold all these times to pay off people's debts. Is the wow. conclusion I kind of came to yeah. through reading all this stuff. Um, eventually, it was sold for the final time to an American jewelry collector named Harry Winston in 1949. Eventually donating it in 1958. He had the sense to donate it to a museum. Oh, okay, right. Ooh, it's somewhere safe, nowhere thrown. What museum is it? In? We're going to find out. Oh, okay. And we can't celebrate just yet. Oh. Because after selling the, the diamond, <laughs> more fire. Before it got to the Smithsonian, it had to get there. Let's follow its journey. Oh, it's in the Smithsonian. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty like high maintenance. I like it. But also, getting it to the museum is kind of grim. So oh, 
Are, are you ready? No. No, okay. Neither was this guy. James oh. Todd, the postmaster who carried the diamond to the Smithsonian, uh-huh. was reportedly involved in a car accident losing his leg. Oh, shit. A separate collision resulted in his suffering of a concussion. And to finish things off, his house was destroyed by a fire, adding to a string of misfortune. What? So, yeah, this fire. Side note, I don't know how these people are getting into debt. Um, since it's been residing in the museum, though, there's been no reports of tragedy associated with the diamond. Finn. Excellent. Finn. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's why I've gotten the Hope Diamond. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I had absolutely no idea that all of that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is insane. cool, though. Yeah, that diamond is cursed. It's gorgeous, like, though. for it's, sure, it's, it's cursed. It's frustrating. I bet it's really beautiful. It's stunning. And wear it and then collapse. <laughs> this is what I mean. I feel as though, like, it would be really easy for curses to get you. Oh, they because, would be. like, you're just like, oh, it's sparkly. Let me touch it. <laughs> I'd have, like, ten things attached to me. Yeah, like, I feel like curses would have a hard time getting attached to me because I'm just suspicious of everything and everyone. Oh, but you're suspicious, like, but my curiosity is more than my suspicions. This is what I mean. But, like, you, mm. you're like... Oh, but it's gaudy. Let me touch it. <laughs> Whereas I don't have that. I'll so keep I my think... diamond in my haunted cabinet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'll watch I'll my house my... set on fire. I'll keep my cursed diamond in my haunted cabinet. Under my crane boy portrait. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so good. Yeah, you would. I just have to have, like, one scary room in my house. Then you sit in, like, your haunted chair and, and just, like, cup watch it. <laughs> no, a pint of Guinness or something. <laughs> In in honor of Daniel and Thomas and what was the wife called? Was it Elizabeth? Elizabeth, yeah. Elizabeth. Very sweet. Anyway, thank you for telling me about the diamond. I didn't know about that. Yeah, that you're absolutely cool. welcome. That was a fun story to tell. So I hope that you've enjoyed our eclectic composition of haunted shit to tell you about. Um, <laughs> happy Halloween. Yeah, yeah, happy Halloween. This, guys. I feel like this yeah. episode is gonna be really disjointed and chaotic. Oh absolutely. But um but I hope you I hope you like it. I hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back next time with more crime. I've yeah. already started on the next episode. Um, it's it's crime. It's true. It's it's crime. And <laughs> do you want me to tell you anything about it? Is that hmm. you know what? You can ask me one question about it, and I will answer honestly. I'm gonna keep the episode. So, so don't don't say like, what is who it? Who is it? <laughs> like, ask me a question about it. And I will tell you. Okay. Um, was there a conviction made if there were any arrests? No. Ooh. Okay. So we're going to have to seek someone out for revenge. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So Do we have, have to say to... alleged a lot? Um, We're going to have to say alleged a bit. Okay. But it's not that cut and dry. You'll see when we get there. Ooh. All right. But this is one that... Right. Yeah. So this is a case that since I heard about it, you know... Yeah. Every now and then there's cases and when you hear about it, it kind of just lives in your head. Yes. And it's kind of like, oh, it's in there. Yeah. Uh, but people don't talk about it oh. as much as I think people should. Yeah. So I really want to discuss it because it's really interesting. It's really tragic. And this person deserves for people to know about her and talk about her. Yeah. So. I get this vibe with her. Do you know Michelle Van Amster? Yes. I get that with her. Like, I'm glued to that. Okay, okay. This might be a similar vibe for you then. Ooh. We'll we'll have yeah. to see. We'll, we'll find out next week. We'll wait and see. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you so um, much, guys. Hope I you enjoyed hope it. you enjoyed a sort of spooky Halloween episode. Happy yeah. Halloween. Have a gorgeous day. Mm-hmm. Travel safe. And I hope you eat lots of sweets. Yeah, but brush your teeth afterwards because sweets <laughs> are bad for you too. <laughs> Bye. Bye.